Hi, it's Melissa Moore. Welcome to Mile High Magazine. Thanks for being with us on this Sunday morning. Well, one of my favorite organizations here in town, and I've actually adopted our dog Dash from them, is Max Fund. And we've got Selena Davison. She is the shelter manager for Max Fund Animal Adoption Center with us this morning. Selena, good morning to you. Good morning. Well, let's talk a little bit about Max Fund for people maybe who aren't familiar with it. How did Max Fund get started? So it's actually May of this year will be 33 years um, that Maxfun has been around. It started with Dr. Bill Surrow and his wife, Nancy, um, our co-founders of the organization. They um, had a dog that was brought into Dr. Surrow's vet practice that had been hit by a car and nobody owned the animal and nobody was able to pay for the animal. So they started a... Um, fund for him just on the, the front desk of their reception area. Um, they had a fishbowl out there and people would just put money in to pay for the dog's um, surgery that he mm-hmm. had to have. His name was Max. Aww. So that's how Max Fund got his, the, the name was Max Fund. And they raised so much money that they were able to put additional funds towards the next dog or, or cat that needed help as well. Um, Nancy is a huge lover of animals, so she started the 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 shelter side of it, and mm-hmm. and it has grown since then. Thirty three mm-hmm. years that really is incredible. And you know, having had that personal experience that I did with Max Fund, you guys are different. But explain to people what makes Max Fund different than other organizations and other shelters. So Max Fund is an actual no kill shelter. That means we do not euthanize or put dogs down for or animals down, I'm sorry, for um, any behavioral issues or due to medical reasons. We take animals in that don't have known owners, um, and we do everything medically for them before we put them up for adoption. Uh, we send our animals out to specialists, so if they, uh, we have a couple diabetic dogs that have just gone and had cataract surgery, so they were blind and now they can see again. Um, so we go the extra mile to make sure our animals are taken care of. They they are given the best medical care that we can provide before they are able to be adopted out. Well, um, same with behavioral. If we have behavioral animals, we will go to um, uh, veterinary behaviorists. Mm-hmm. Um, we will have trainers come in and train with them. Once again, we we get them ready for the, for the public, and we we send out our animals that are loved and are healthy and. Um, are available for adoption at that point. Well, and one of the things I know I appreciated when I went through the adoption process is that it really is a process. And one of the big things to me was that you can't come in and adopt and take home a pet that same day. No, we do not have same-day adoptions. The animals, there's an application process. Everybody has to provide three references that are not related to them. If they rent their home or their apartment, we need to speak with landlords. So it is a process. And we tell everybody, you know, five to seven days because we want to make sure that the animals are going into stable homes. Mm -hmm. So it is a very lengthy process, but we think it's a very needed process so that the animals aren't just going to we ever wherever we feel very comfortable with the animals and the adopters being matched. Well, and it, I mean, when you have more than one person that's put in an application for a dog, then I would assume that gives you a chance to really pick the best fit for the dog for the right. cat. Absolutely, and that's what we do. We match the animal to the adopter, and 
we we have multiple applications all of the time, and right. that does make it difficult at times because there's a lot of really good um, applicants for every animal. But then it also gives us the chance if they if there's two adopt or applications for one animal, it gives us a chance to introduce other animals to that to the second application. Right, and I would I would think too with it being the process that it is that it takes out some of those emotional decisions that somebody might make. Right, absolutely. It gives us time to kind of sit back and weigh weigh the applicants mm-hmm. that come in. Right, which is and good for both oh, people, which is good for everybody involved. Right. right, and it's always a team effort. It's not just one person making that decision. It's a team effort on both the cat side and the dog side. We all talk about the applications and and the people that have applied. So mm-hmm. we all give our input um, after that. We've seen the the interaction with the animals. Well, I was going to say that was one of the things. And then if there's any other um, pets in the home, is that right? That those pets have to come, or at least dogs, if it's a dog adoption, that dog has to come in and meet the possible adoptee? Absolutely. So if they own dogs, the dogs have to meet the dogs. Everybody in the home, um, every human in the home also has to to meet the animal as well. We do do cat tests with dogs. So if somebody has a dog and has a cat at home and they want to know how the dog reacts to the cat, we will take them over to our cat shelter and introduce them to cats over there. Mm-hmm. And same with cats. If, if somebody has a dog at home, if they want to know how the cat's going to do with the dog, we've got plenty of dogs that we can take over and inter- introduce them to the cat. So we will do that as well for adopters. Yeah, I love that. I love just how thorough you are. Well, we saw a lot during COVID. People were really adopting pets. I mean, a lot of dog adoptions going on. What are you seeing now? So unfortunately now we are seeing, adoptions are still up, but we are also seeing a lot of relinquishments and surrenders um, because people got animals at that time that they were home and now they're going back to work. And so now they're not, they don't have that time to spend with the animals. So now we, we get probably seven to 10 calls a day for people to wanting to relinquish their animals. Um, So it's kind of sad that we're at that point now. However, we, of course, will take as many as we can and adopt them back out. Right. I mean, that is sad to hear because that's, I mean, when you make that commitment, it is a commitment. Right. Right. It's not just a for the time. Right. For the time animal. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So it's hard to hear. I know it's hard on everybody. And for some families, that's the best decision. But yeah, it's still hard to hear. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we never, you know, of course, we... um, uh, we'll counsel people through that decision that they're making, and if there's anything that we can offer to help, we help as well. We have food programs, so if people aren't um, able to provide food for their for their animals, we do have a food program here that they can come once a month and get food from us. Um, we do we have a low cost clinic, so we we can refer people to our low cost clinic. Um, but it, and if they need training help, I've got trainers on staff that we can absolutely help with training suggestions as well. No, that's awesome to hear. I think that's so good for so many people to hear. Right. Um, for for folks that are working at home right now, but maybe they are getting ready to transition going back to the office, if not full time, part time. Um, any tips that you have for them and getting their pet ready? So the biggest thing is trying to um, set a routine for their pets. So even if they aren't going back to the office yet, they need to pretend they're going back to the office. So they get ready just like they're going and they leave. Even if they only leave for a couple minutes, they walk out the door and mm-hmm. then they come back in the door. So the, the animal starts understanding that just because the person's leaving does not mean they're not coming back. That's where that separation anxiety starts to 
to set in is sure. if an animal feels that the person's leaving but is never coming back. The other thing I always suggest to people, make it a non-event when you leave and when you come back. So when you leave, you say goodbye to your pet and you walk out the door. When you come back in, you if the, the dog or the cat's very excited and barking and jumping, you wait for them to relax until you acknowledge them. So the bit, the more the human can stay relaxed, the more the animal will stay relaxed. That is good for me to hear because my daughter, you know, we've, uh, we adopted Dash and he's like uh, kind of high strung. And right. so when we get home, my daughter's like, we're home. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which just and, sends him into a frenzy. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you can, it's, it's more training the humans really honestly than it is to training the animals. But if you can stay in that relaxed state, your animals will stay in that relaxed state. Okay. And it's not a big deal that you're coming home or that you're leaving. It's, right. it's just part of their day. But I suggest to everybody, you know, to start doing that numerous times during the day so they understand that just because you're leaving doesn't mean you're not coming back. And then when you do have to leave, you know, animals don't have a, a sense of time, so they don't know if you're gone for two minutes or two hours. But right. then when you do have to leave, it's not a big deal to them. Right. Oh, yeah. You can tell because, I'll, you know, you're gone for five minutes and they're just as happy to see you as if, as if you were gone all day. Right. Absolutely. So Absolutely. what? So what is your feeling? Because I know with people maybe going back to work, what is your feeling on like crate training? I am I am 100% for crate training. Um, I believe that an animal needs their own special place in your home. Um, just like you have your bedroom, they need their bedroom. If you mm-hmm. want to get away from the world, you go to your bedroom. Same with an animal. They need that place to be able to go to. Um, I think it makes it safer for them, and it makes it safer for your house. It makes it safer for you. We get a lot of um, dog relinquishments here because of eating couches or tearing down drapes or destroying the carpet because they don't want to tra- crate train their animal. Mm. But if you if you crate train them, it honestly becomes a second home to them. It's right. their bedroom. It's right. their safe place. You know, I always encourage people never to use a crate as punishment. It's all about fun, mm-hmm. and it's all a positive experience in that crate. So what is what is the key then if you've got a, a a dog maybe that's acting up and doing naughty things? I mean, not doing punishment. Is it a redirection? What do you tell people? It's a redirection. Um, so if they're doing naughty things and you want to redirect to a crate, um, at the beginning it's all about fun going into the crate. So you never shut the door on the animal. All it is about give, having fun going in and out of the crate, mm-hmm. and then eventually the animal will go into the crate whenever he wants to. And then you can start shutting the the door. So it's, you know, it's going to take um, a a period to get him used to the crate. But once the pup is used to it, he will enjoy going into the crate. So you refocus their attention instead of doing those naughty things. Now, what about treats? When do you give dogs treats for, you know, because I know sometimes you like, I mean, I I admit if my dogs won't come inside and they're not listening to me, I offer up treats. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Probably not the right thing to do, but they won't come inside. So I have to yell treats to get them in. And that's okay because you're asking them to do something. So they're responding to that, to what you're you're asking them to do. So obviously they should get a treat for that or they should get praise for that. Okay. Um, Now, just because you're, you know, you have to quote unquote bribe them to come in. <laughs> they still are I doing do. what you ask them to do. So if the word, you know, if they associate treat as coming in the door, that is honestly, it's a command for them to come into the door. Okay. So you're asking them something. I, I don't encourage treats for free. They always have to work for treats, even mm. if it's a simple sit or a simple shake. Okay. They always have to work for their treats. 
So if you're asking them to come into the house, just add a sit. So they come in, ask them to sit, and then give them that treat. Okay, so make them always work for it. What about food? Does that apply to giving them their food, making them sit? Absolutely. Food is a very big part of an animal's life. So with dogs, especially, you need to, they need to work for their food. They don't get to just eat for free. I never encourage free feeding. They always um, are fed on a, t- a time schedule. Um, I, call, I call it the feeding ritual. So, you know, mm-hmm. my animals come to me, they sit, they down, they shake, they roll over. I put them through every single command they know. And then I allow them to eat. I give them their uh-huh. food. They get to eat. Um, it's in the same bowl. It's in the same place. It's in the same area at the same time every single day. Mm. And it's a big production. Okay. That's interesting because I think, I mean, I know I've been guilty of it. Like, sit. They don't sit. And I'm like, whatever. Here's the food. Here's the food. Right. <laughs> like, I just don't, like, don't want to have this with you. Just right. come on. Right. But but they animals they will really start to understand that they they have to do this and a lot of times once they learn that they have to do this they'll go through every single command they know before you even ask them to do it <laughs> they're like we already we have you trained we'll do this and now let me eat right can I eat now <laughs> right right food is food is huge in an animal's life we always like to think love is the most important thing in an animal's life but it is far second to food oh that is really <laughs> interesting to hear yeah, yeah you always think that well they just love me so much. Right. And they absolutely do. Right. However, you are far second to food. (laughs) (laughs) Good for everybody to remember. Well, I'll tell you what, you have such amazing knowledge. And this is one of the reasons why I'm such a huge fan of Max Fund. It's the Max Fund Animal Adoption Center. Selena Davison, the shelter manager. Uh, For folks who want more information, want to check out the animals, what's the website and what's the phone number? It's maxfund.org is our website, and the uh, dog side of the shelter is 303-595-4917, and the cat side is 720-266-6081. And we are separate buildings, but we're direct, we're across the street diagonally from each other, so it's, it's very close proximity. All right. Selena, thank you so much for your time today. It was always a lot of fun talking to you. Absolutely. Thanks, Melissa. Oh, my pleasure. I'm Melissa Moore. It is Mile High Magazine. Thanks for hanging out and spending this Sunday morning with me. I sure appreciate it. And for more information on MaxFund, don't forget, you can always go directly to their website, MaxFund.org. You can also get more information on this interview by going to the radio station's website. And if you've got a passion for MaxFund, you want to help animals, hey, share this interview on your social media. And you can find out how to do that by going to the radio station's website. Have a great Sunday. Stay safe, stay warm, and have a blessed Sunday. I'll see you next week.